You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Our guest on Line Noise this week is Eddie Folks, a man whose handprints are cemented on the Detroit Historical Museum's Legends Plaza as a techno music pioneer, uh, not artist, pioneer. Uh, he is a producer whose first record was released in 1986 and who's been DJing since the 1970s. Uh, he certainly doesn't hold back uh, on anything in this interview, uh, in which he told me about clubbing with Frankie Knuckles, uh, his role in Juan Atkins' legendary Deep Space DJ Collective, um, and generally being slightly overlooked for his role in inventing techno. Um, we're certainly not overlooking him here on Line Noise. I really hope you enjoy this interview. I think it's fantastic. Cool. I hope you don't mind, but I wanted to go way back um, for a moment. Um, you've called yourself a DJ first and foremost. Can I ask what first attracted you to DJing? I was, I would say, like I had to be. You know, my birthday is in December, right? So right. I had to be had to be seven. I was I was sixteen going on to seventeen, so. My sister, my older sister, I'll, I'll be here. Let me see. I'm gonna get this correct. Yeah, see, I'm I'm a, I'm a junior in high school. So my older sister, she a freshman in, at uh, in college. And then my middle sisters, we all one year apart. So my mother said, "Well, you have to go with your middle sister to this party." And I said, "Ah, oh, really?" So I went to the party, and and I didn't know nobody there because you know these are seniors you know, about to graduate in eight more months. So they doing a senior year party in, in September. This is literally in September. So I go to this party. I don't know nobody there. And I'm looking at this guy who making the music continuously play. And I'm like, yo, what is he doing? And so I went over there and, you know, I was that little kid looking at him, just standing over the turntable. And I finally asked him like, what is that in the middle? I know what turntables are. He said, that's a mixer. And I'm sitting looking and looking and looking the whole night. You know, because it was uh, my sister was dating one of the guys who threw the party. And then I came home the next day. I said, Mom, I know what I want for Christmas. And matter of fact, I want that for my because my, my birthday is day before Christmas. So I said, Mom, I want that and that for my birthday because I thought it was very expensive. <laughs> so so she said, all right. So you mind you, this is September. So I started going to parties with my sister again. You know, I was like, yeah, I want to see what's going on. You know, so. Then she finally asked me, I said, Mom, I told you what I want. So I wouldn't end up getting a Radio Shack mixer uh, from Radio Shack. You remember Radio Shack? Vaguely. I don't think they had them in Europe, but I, I've heard the name. Yeah. So I think my mom paid about maybe 50 bucks for it. So I got a mixer and a scarf and a hat. Man, I can care less about that. I'm I'm like 17. I don't really give a fuck about Christmas. So I got that mixer plan for Christmas. I went downstairs and hooked up her cassette deck. And her mixer, you know, I read the instructions. So I, I, that was my beginning of me being a DJ. And that was like, I graduated in 1981. So that was, what, 79? Did you 70, have... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, did you have, like, DJ inspirations? Obviously, this DJ you saw uh, at a party kind of set it off, but did you have, like, specific people in clubs or on the radio that inspired you in DJing? No, not at all. Um, no, 
but he he's always going to be my favorite DJ. His name was Daryl Shannon, and um, and but Daryl Shannon became a legend in Detroit, you know, because he was still in high school. He was a senior at that time. So, uh, no, I didn't have no aspirations following nobody else. I just just you know, it's just just what happened. That's how it went down, and I, I didn't have no aspirations. But as I got older, I um. I, I I started following two DJs when I got older. I would say three years later. Uh, and that was uh uh Ken Collier out of Detroit. And he was our, really our best DJ ever come out of Detroit on the underground scenes. Ken Collier, then Daryl Shannon. Um, and so what happened, that was the first DJ I seen was Daryl Shannon. But Ken Collier and Daryl Shannon was the, the greatest. Everybody tells you this is the, the best DJs ever come out of Detroit. And then when I got right in high school, uh, that I graduated in May and then I went to college in September and I went to go see Frankie Knuckles, you know what I'm saying? And that was, uh, that's, that was traumatizing to, to say the least. Traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. Because I thought he, you know, back then, you know, everybody was scratching to get in a scratching, you know, this is, you know, before hip hop come in, you know, it was just like run DMC or rhythmics. That was that era. And, um, you know, so everybody had a, a DJ name. So I was like, yeah, shit, man, let's go, let's drive to Chicago because I'm like in the middle of Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I'm two hours away from Chicago. I'm two hours away from Detroit. So we drove to see Frankie Knuckles. And man, I went to the warehouse and uh, with this guy, he was next to my dorm roommate. And I was like, man, there's going to be some girls. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get in that motherfucker. I was like, I'm in the we in the booth because Frankie knew he was coming. Because one of the DJs, uh, Ken Collier, was good friends with Frankie. Ken is gay. Frankie is gay. Now, mind you, I didn't know Frankie was gay. I come in there in the DJ booth, and man, I see three turntables, real to real, light man, and he had a, a like a Christmas tree to turn around, like a uh, like his his records in a crate. Uh, you know, to like a Christmas tree from the bottom, middle, top, and then each day I turn around. I was like, wow. So they got. Hey man, they all got handcuffs, man. They had handcuffs. They had them cowboy shit on. And when they turned around, they was butt naked. I said, oh my goodness. So I went in the corner. I went in the corner. I just backed up in the corner. I said, like, damn, man, what this motherfucker got me into? You know what I'm saying? I how to call my mother to get me in Chicago. Come and get me out of Chicago, right? So ever since then, I, I went in there. I never moved, but I watched Frankie from the corner. So Frankie used to, just to look, he'd turn around and laugh at me. Right? While everybody else is there having fun, he would turn and look and laugh at me, right? He said, you all right? I'm good, I'm good. I'm only 18 years old now. I'm 18 years old, right? So as the thing was over with, you know, as years go past, I make records, so forth, so forth. I run back in Frankie Knuckles. He said, hey, Sunshine. I said, what's up, man? Why do you keep calling me Sunshine? Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. That this whole road trip to, from Chicago to, I mean, from, the, from my college to Chicago, everybody has passed away. On that trip, I'm the only one living, right? And it was Ken Carter with me and another dude from high school and another girl, another dude, another dude. They all passed away. So the last guy was living. I said, man, this was like three years ago, four years ago. I said, man, why everybody used to call me Sunshine, right? Because I was the only straight dude, right? I said, man, everybody who would look at you in the corner, your eyes was really wide. Like, you know, the, like sunshine, you just woke up with sunshine. The sun is in your eye. I was like, wow. So it was, it was kind of like traumatizing because I'd never seen that before. You know, I'm never, I, you know, it was taboo 
in the in the black community about that gay thing. You know what I'm saying? But you knew to see good DJs, you had to go into the gay community. You you know what I mean? Because they start and they don't want to have the good music. They don't want coming from the post disco era. You know, so they coming from the disco era. We coming into the post disco era music. So we was playing the kids like Little Disco in Detroit, and then the new style music like on um, well, Kranz, uh, Francois Convorkian was mixing on um, Prelude Records. You know, so it's kind of traumatizing, but that's it. All kind of makes sense if yeah, you follow me. Eye opening. And continuing like DJing in the eighties, you DJ with three turntables, a mixer, a wah wah pedal, and eight oh eight and nine oh nine drum machines. Right? Was anyone else doing something that extreme at the time? No, no. What, what we what we were doing? At, uh, it was two turntables. We we had three. We had three, but we would come out and play with two. And uh, it was the D Space Crew. It was me, Juan Atkins, Derek May, Art Payne, Keith Martin, and. Um, and Juan brothers, you know, but they weren't even a music thing. They were just more bringing speakers up and down the stairs. So, you know, um, what, cause Juan was making, the, he had the Cybertron, she came out in 81, you know, I'm graduating from high school, but I ended up meeting the, uh, Derek, uh, uh, my senior year in high school. So after after that, the years, whatever, we got back in touch and that's how we came together. Like, oh, I didn't know you DJ. I didn't know you. So we started, started keeping in contact and we started this deep space thing. Well, Juan had already started. I just joined in with, with the guys. So we would have like the turntables and then Derek got the Wawa paddle. And then we would just all sit around the table, man, we should do something special because I will have, uh, I was DJing. So I'll have like a lot of contacts doing all the, the fraternity parties, you know, at the big in uh, around the state of Michigan, the big universities. So I was in a fraternity, and so then I was doing these fraternity parties, and I invited the brothers up, you know, Juan, Derek, and Arpain, you know, come in, hey, let's bring the equipment up, let's do this party. So we convinced Juan to bring his 808 out the house. And he brought it out, and then Derek had the Wawa paddle, and then, you know, what we was doing, because it was a sampler Wawa paddle. So, you know, you do it on beat, and then the kids just went crazy because they knew the records. They knew Run DMC, they knew Arithmix, they knew all types of shit, you know, Talking Heads, they knew all that shit, you know, everything. But it was what we were doing, it was like, what the fuck are they doing? Because it was new to everybody's ears. And it just took off. That party just went, it just went from, uh, I was at Eastern Michigan, went from East, from Eastern Michigan, all the way to Chicago, that that bought that one party, you know. Because when we walked away from the, so what happened was, we was mixing a record, Derek's on a Wawa. So then you only had one light. It wasn't a really no light show because we was in the um um what you call that one in college? The, the um the that's a hall where you the university where you um I can't think of this. It was the hall in the university. Everybody had parties. Anyway, so you had one light over the turntable. Wasn't no light show in the background. Sometimes you have a a, a, a manual fog machine. That was it. And then people be dancing. And then once we turn off the light, you know, and we turn off the turntables, people couldn't understand where the sound was coming from. So we mixed the record. The Wawa was, Derek's holding the Wawa, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, take the record off. Derek's still holding the, 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 the temple with the Wawa. Then Wawa came in with the 909, with that, with that Planet Rock beat. 
man, it went crazy. So they, until we cut the light off, people didn't know what was going on. So we cut the light back on after like maybe three minutes while I'm doing this thing. People was like, where's the sound coming from? And they just went nuts. And Derek came back with the wah, wah, wah. Then we mixed back into it and it just went bananas. It went bananas. So therefore, it was some cats come up, upcoming DJs from Detroit was there. Cause you know, Juan was, it was he was Juan Atkins. He was just Juan, Juan Atkins in Detroit, the man, right? Yeah. So then they said, damn, Juan hit this machine. Next thing you know, Jeff Mills found out about it. Then he went on the radio with the shit. And then everybody was like, yo, that's the new thing, drum machine and DJing and with the wow wow power. From there, it doesn't sound like a big step to getting into making your own music. I mean, like if you're doing something so creative when you're DJing, it's almost like, you know, producing your own music. Was it like a relatively short step to get into production? Um, Yeah, it was because I didn't want to make a record. I had epiphany. I literally had epiphany at one of our deep space parties. And it was when Juan was playing his uh, Cybertron music. He was mixing it. And I had epiphany and I kind of like blacked out and something said, make a record. And at that time, Derek May was, we had moved into his old, me and him had moved to this old Victorian house in the middle of Detroit. And um, and I had acquired some, some equipment. And then I just told Juan, hey man, I want to make a record. He said, all right. You know, so when I got the equipment, Juan had to come hook it up. You know what I'm saying? And so Derek May worked at night. I worked in the daytime. So the only person who knew I had a studio was Juan. Nobody else didn't know. You know, and I really, you know what I'm saying? And and um and so well, after I had that epiphany, I had, you know, Juan came and hooked up my studio, many this, many that. Hey man, this is how this works. You know, hey man, you gonna give me some money for hooking up your studio? I said, right, dog, come on, man. Here, here goes some money, man. Damn. So, you know. So he hooked up my studio. So nobody didn't know I was making a record, but why? So that's how I got into it. But the whole thing was because of that party, now we kind of like, everybody knew our secret, right? So now we got to have something different. This was in my head. I'm going to speak for Kevin Derek Juan. I was like, shit, I need something different. So I said, I got my own record and nobody don't have it. So all that put together, I said, yeah, I'm going to make finish my shit. My first record was was done in uh, 86. So, and I think that party went down in 80, the party went down in 84. It was in 84 because I transferred to Western to Eastern Michigan. Yeah, the party went down in 84. But that was the process of me uh, making my first uh, production. I think I answered your question, didn't I? Yeah, definitely. And how important was that? I mean, your first record, Goodbye Kiss, released in 1986. How important was that in the birth of techno? Well, man, it's, it's it's like a three that's like a threefold answer, man. And I really don't really get in get into it because uh um you know people just don't believe what the fuck I say. You know, they sit here and believe this this Belleville three shit. You know, I'm not taking away that they went to high school together, but don't tell me that this shit I wasn't there. Don't tell me I had the second studio. Don't tell me that, you know, here's Juan and Metroplex and here come Eddie folks. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just like people get the shit construed because they wasn't there. And so they believe some other bullshit. And that's the second fold. The bullshit is Derek May because he's this innovator, but he didn't have a clue what I was doing, you know? So it kind of kind of put a damper on his story. That's why he haven't made a record in fucking 30, 40 years. 
because he never had a fucking vision. You know what I mean? Oh, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ben. I didn't mean to get. No, was, okay. I mean, I'm. I'm so, no, go on, go on. No, what's the question again? Well, I was basically saying that like, how important do you think that record was in the birth of techno? Oh, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it's, it's beyond important because once I finished it and I, and while I was like, I went over his house and played it for him. He was like, oh, that's all right. And then his wife, his girlfriend at the time was like, well, I love that record. That's nice, Eddie. I said, okay, cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. So Juan said, you really like it? He said, she said, yeah, okay, I'm going to put it out. So his, his mentality was Dewey was a consumer, not like me and him. We critical on our music. So the consumer liked it, which it was a big fucking record. It was a huge record. I mean, it was playing it from New York, Miami, Chicago, Detroit, and, and L.A. I know this for a fact because I was there at these places, you know. And so... But I can tell by the, how many he was uh, while I was pressing out his basement. You feel me? So now, before the record was released, I'm going to take you back, Mr. Ben. Before the record was released, I said, Juan, here's the two-track tape. He said, okay, cool. He said, man, get back with me in a couple months. I said, okay, cool. I come back a couple months. I said, man, where's my fucking white label? I thought you were going to hook me up, blah, blah, blah. He said, man, I fucked around and told Derek you to make a record. And, I fucked, and then Derek went around and told Kevin. So I was like, fuck it, man. I'm just going to send all three of y'all shit off at the same time. Where the fuck I wasn't there? And where in the fuck that you're going to tell me, oh, them three started some shit? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm like, so when I say this shit, people are like, oh, you just bitter. Motherfucker, you weren't even there. So sometimes I just don't tell the story because they wasn't there. I'm interested, like, back in 1986, what what did you have to sort of guide you when you were making that record? Because there weren't records that sounded like that. It wasn't like you were copying something that already existed. What was, yeah, well, how did you get to that kind of sound? Um, really, it was more playing, what I was playing as a DJ. And I wanted, you know, some funky stuff, but I had to learn how to play the bass line first. I knew how to program drums. It was just learning how to play a funky bass line and uh, having a, a cool sample because with a record with a sample was really moving at the time. So I had to learn how to play a nice, to me at the time it was funky <laughs> bass line. But, uh, you know, and then once I did that, you know, found a sample from the TV, sampled that shit and then um, recorded it. And then um, once I finished it, I did the mix in my bedroom and then, um, to why he was like, okay cool and i did leave out of stuff you know he was like, okay cool uh man let's let me why said let me do a mix on it once he did the mix he did side b mix i did side a then that's when he said come back in a couple months man let's and let's do this so in 1991 you um came up with a name oh sorry hold on, hold on, hold on, you don't find that quite intriguing what i said before that well, you said about waiting for three months no, 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 no. I oh, was one doing the mix. No, no, no. I was saying how you got historical facts that really I don't talk about. I do find it intriguing, yeah. Okay. All right. You can continue. Go ahead. I was just um well, is there anything more you want you want to say about that? No, well, we're there. No. I'm just saying it's like usually 
people like to run with the them three or the Belleville three. And it's like, yo, it's like people, they, they just like, they don't believe the story because it's hard to believe because I tell them the truth, but it's like, and Kevin talks about it, Juan talks about it, but Derek don't talk about it because he, he's, he's, he's just, no, it, it puts a hole in his whole credibility who he is. So, I mean, let's see, to me, it's like, you know, to, to me, it's like, mm, you know how the press never gets it right? Then yeah. you have to refute what they're saying. Then you come off like bitter, but it's not bitter. It's like, yo, I'm telling you the truth, but it's not enough. It's just not enough. So well, while I'm still living, I'm telling you the truth. I don't think it sounds bitter. I don't think it sounds... No, 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 no. I'm not saying you You doesn't sound... It's just that, you know, people would say, they have told me, like, oh, man, you sound bitter. But they wasn't there, you know. And the truth is the truth. And that's why I just don't tell the story. So I I, I use certain platforms to tell my story. Certain platforms. I mean, do you think you... From what you're saying, you don't think you get your due, right, as an inventor of techno? Correct. Correct. You know, because, um, you know... When you what the thing is, it's like when people talk about techno, you gotta have a vision, you gotta have a plan, and what you want to do. And I had a, a epiphany. When that epiphany was a was a vehicle for everybody else. Just think if I didn't have that that epiphany. But you could say you want to make a record, but you never do it. But if Eddie Falls gonna make a record, then I'm gonna make a record, then I'm gonna make a record. And this is a snowball effect. And that's why I said about techno. It's like, man, you know, they, you know, people talk about like, you know, like. They talk about, oh man, technos is like all this like, motherfucker. I had an epiphany. I went and hustle on the street and got my fucking studio. Where was the other studio? Where was this whole this whole creative sound come from? Like, yo, man, I didn't steal nobody's shit. You know what I'm saying? So Juan was doing his thing. That's Juan. He was doing his thing, and Juan kept his circle to himself. So here come this other guy behind Juan, creating his own thing. You feel me? And I knew I well known in Detroit at this point. Not like Derek or Kevin Simonson. I was really well known in Detroit as a DJ and this big fraternity I was in, we had big parties. So this was like, whoa, it was a really big thing out of Detroit. So, you know, when you don't have a vision, you suppress what was in front of you to say, and I would never have a vision. And that's why I stated, you know, you know, how Derek had the the the, the media vehicle to suppress a lot of shit in Detroit, and he was really the, the catalyst that fucked up a lot of shit from Detroit. But motherfuckers don't want to say that. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm just saying, man, techno to me is totally different from what you guys see it and what the rest of the world see it. It's not, it's it's totally different, man, in, in my eyes. Because, you know, if I wasn't born, what, what would techno really be? Think about it. I mean, I said, man, if I didn't have this epiphany, it wouldn't be a domino effect, it wouldn't be a wave. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm not taking away what they productions they did. Don't get me wrong, Ben. I'm just saying, don't tell me I wasn't there. Well, I'm interested. You you started using the name Techno Soul for your sound. Why did you choose a different name? I mean, what like why Techno Soul as opposed to just Techno? Uh, because I really respect the boys out of Chicago, and they changed the world with their sound. And they, you know, that that urban house sound changed the world and growing up with them boys, you know, meeting all of them, you know, the first one was Frankie, this next one was Tyree Cooper, Fast Eddie, Bad Boy Bill, you know, and you meet them guys, guys at, 
at a young age, and they 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 changing the world with that with their neighborhood sound and their cultural sound. So I was like, man, you know, because it was there were there was a bunch of them. There's only a, a few of us, four. So it was Detroit versus Chicago, not literally, but it was like, wow, them boys keep coming out with hits, 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 and here we come. You know what I'm saying? So I had to respect that. And 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 when we did the first compilation album. You know, um, Derek had the, you know, the new photo thing. So right now he's in control of everything because the press and everybody's coming to him. And then with the with the compilation album, um, it was like he wanted to make it, you know, this, you know, house sound of, of, of Detroit. And while I was like, fuck that, I'm, I make techno, man. Do we do techno? And so he changed it. But that's how powerful them boys were in Chicago. So I was like, man, I love house music. I'm not going to deny this shit. I, I, you know, so I was like, yo, I don't want to say house because I don't want to steal from them. So I said, oh, techno soul because I love the soul that coming out of that Chicago sound and the techno stuff that we started. So I kind of intertwined the two. I think I read somewhere that your wife is a big house head. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's a big house head. She likes house more than techno? Or? She, oh, she, she, she loves wine music. She loves wine music. Her and wine is just like two peas in a pot. She loves wine music, man. I don't know what the fuck to say about that. But she's a househead. I, I wanted to ask actually, because um, I read that you said somewhere in an interview, it's very important for you to get married and, and have children. Um, I've got, I got a couple of kids as well. Um, and so I'm always fascinated with, you know, children and music. Do your kids like your music? Are they fans? Um, no, no, they don't even listen to my music. Um, my oldest one, she's, um, she likes to go to the big parties and the festivals with me, blah, blah, blah. She's cool with local dice. Uh, she's cool with a bunch of DJs and the Martinez brothers. Uh, I got to watch them boys around my wife. They always act like my wife. You know what I'm saying? How's the wifey? How's the wife? It's like, damn, motherfucker, you can't ask how I'm doing? <laughs> so, but my, 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 my oldest one is acclimated, you know, with the DJing stuff, but she don't like the music. She listens to dance music now, but in her younger days, she was more hip-hop. She just liked the fanfare. And my youngest daughter, she just can't stand loud music. So she she listened to some shit. I don't know what the fuck she was listening to. I do not. You've got um, a new uh, EP coming out, Forever EP, um, for records. Um, and I wonder, like, how how difficult is it for you, like, you to keep on? Do you ever find it hard to keep on making music after all these years, or does it come really naturally? Um, it comes naturally, and um, I've said this. Recently, I always kept it close to my vest. But uh, when you at 22, 23, and your friends are Juan Atkins, and your associate is Derek May, and your friend is Kevin Saunderson, and you see how we have a lot of chips in our pocket, and and you seen, you can see what Juan album has done for him, and then how much money I made on my first release. And uh, and you see me and Derek May was roommates and my mother used to come over and feed us because we didn't have no money, but then we ended up getting some jobs. And then you see what a hit record can do. 
and you see what a hit record can do with Big Fun and Good Life, <clears throat> you see what new four strings of life, and you know, and you gotta remember, I'm around all the process except for I'm really around the process except for uh strings of life. I wasn't around for that process. But all the other hit records, um uh and and, and the hit records on Metroplex, I was there. And you see what it can do, how it can change your life, man. It, it, that's that's that wakes me up every morning because you know you got it in you. You know you can do it because you've done it before. And when you haven't done it, you don't understand it. And it's really hard. It's just like with Smokey Robinson writing songs for Barry Gordy and he making selling 18 million records. And just like the Funk Brothers out of Detroit, you know, the, the band, they, you know, the background music, making the music for all the, the artists, they know what a hit record is. And if you don't understand it, you know, it's, it's easy to, to go off course. It's like, I'm going to be a DJ now. Your music is booty. You know what I'm saying? You can't really cut through it because you haven't seen it. And then you don't have nobody to rub shoulders with to really give you critiqueness that it's like, man, that shit is booty. Hey, man, that ain't happening. You know what I mean? And so it's really, it's, 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 it's easy for me to wake up to make music and to continue on. It's so easy. And um, it's, it's a natural flow now. What about us is one of my favorite songs on the EP. Um, and I, I, thought was, I, was, I thought I was your favorite, man. What? No, go ahead, continue, man. <laughs> um, what's the sample on that? It's been killing me. Uh, 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 Britney, uh, Britney, one of uh, the you know, um, not Britney Spears, but the other, uh, not Britney. Uh, what's her name? Um, uh, what's that girl name? No, Britney, no Britney Spears. Hang on, not Britney Spears. Uh, what's the girl? What's the what's Kim Kardashian? The who she had sex with that guy in a videotape. Her her sister, his sister. Oh my god! Now I'm getting confused. Do you mean? Uh, I don't know. Hang on, hang on. Brandy's got a song called "What About Us." Brandy, that's to her. That's her. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Okay. Brandy, yeah. Brandy, yeah, yeah, Brandy, yeah. I just, I, I never, you know, I heard the song before, and uh, I was like, oh man, this is this is probably be an easy joint to 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 put some grooves under, and that's what I did. But I like the way the kind of sample feels like it's going out of time, but then doesn't, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I, man, I made so many tracks since then, Mister Mister Ben. I made so much then. Uh, it just felt right, you know what I mean? It just felt right. And I'm like, I really don't really don't like to sample a lot of people's shit, man. Cause I don't like the karma. And um, cause people don't put up people publishing it on this. So I was like, fuck it, they gonna put her publish on it, which is cool. So I felt comfortable with it. Cause yeah. I, I, originality, you know, um, instead of, you know, sampling people's shit. And if there's one song from all of the music you could, that you've ever made that you would play to someone who who wants to understand your music, what would it be? Oh, that's a good ass question. To understand my music? Yeah, exactly. Uh, wow, man, that's a that's a good question. Um, oh, uh, damn. What what do I think about? I would say two tracks. 
what do I think about that I released on Classic? Mm -hmm. And my first record, Goodbye Kiss. Good choices. Yeah. As you're with some with your history of DJing, I'm really interested in, in what you make of the role of the DJ. And do you think, because there's always been the big debate, like if a DJ is more to entertain or inform people, where do you draw the line on that? What do you think? Is the role of a DJ more to entertain or inform? I, the older the DJ, the better the music. That's always been my motto. The older the DJ, the better the music, you know? And with the older DJ, you can do both. You can entertain and educate. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's not up for debate because with older DJs, they don't debate, they teach, you know? So I think, yes, you get paid to entertain. And at a certain point, when you got the crowd to where you want, that's when you start teaching. Like, oh, he played, he, he had the crowd at the apex and, and he started playing this shit and they just went even nuts. Never heard this shit before. And you have to, Mr. Ben, it's, it's really hard to, because the time has passed, it's passed away. But, you know, you know, black people, they love music. That's, they just, the motherfuckers love to dance, right? They love music, right? So, and when you, as a kid, you just, you see what makes your uncle, your cousin, your older, these older cats, cats dancing and gigging, the aunties, whatever. And then you get to that that age where you shit, you you dancing and having fun. And and then black people, when you don't play the good music at an all black party, man, they, they will fuck you up. You know what I mean? You know, because they want to dance. They got their drink on, they got the right girl they want, and they want to get down. And it's and but that era has passed because people don't dance close together. So since that era has passed, you know, it's still in my body. It's still in my system to say, you know, now I'm here to entertain you and I want to make you dance like, I, you know, seeing hands in the air, but taking them to a way like, oof, he just killed me. You know, where you don't even thinking about drinking. You're not, even, you know, you just want to take some more drugs because he's taking me another level. So you got the entertainment, then you got the education part, you know, but it's, you know, that era is gone. You know, so, you know, I, I think you could do both if you was, if you've been doing it for so long, you know, but if you, to me, if you play one style, man, you, you're fucking boring, you know, because it's like to DJ is to take you here on a journey, you know, and, you know, that's my opinion, you know, and, but, you know, but times has changed. Can I ask you a really stupid question? I thought I thought this was going to be um, a really obvious obvious uh, answer. I couldn't find it anywhere, so maybe it's being me stupid. But where did the name Flashing come from, and why did you drop it? Oh, um, so when go back to the to, goes back to day one when I gave when after Juan told them, um, "Hey man." Um, he said, um, after the, the white labels came back, you know, we all met up, me, Kevin, Derek, Juan, and it was like, okay, look, man, I need to put your names on this. Because we didn't know nothing about the process of producing a record or making a record. So uh, Juan came up with his name. I'm putting this release. This is how, this is how I do it. Juan, Magic, Juan, Atkins. And, and so um, 
And then Kevin said, you know, Grandmaster, I mean, Kevin Maurice, what did Kevin was? Uh, Kevin said, uh, what the fuck did he say? He said, uh, some shit. And then I said, I want to be flashing because I like to scratch. You know, that was the era of scratching. And that's how I flash and like flash, pop, 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 pop. You know what I mean? Just flashing. And, um, and that, it came there because, uh, you know, that's, that's how, I, that's how I came about. Cause I like to scratch, you know. It's a good name. <laughs> I like it anyway. Okay. But look, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you today. Um, Hope you're um, gonna be DJing in Barcelona soon, because um, it'll be good. Have you played? Yeah, you, you haven't played Barcelona in ages, I don't think. I haven't played Barcelona since like early two thousands, like maybe two thousand and ten, some shit like that. I haven't been in a, in a minute, in a good minute, like like maybe three years after the Olympics was there. Whatever was that oh, wow. about that time? Mid nineties. Yeah. yeah. Well, look. I hope you can make it. I hope you can make it back sometime soon. Um, and thank you so much for taking the time. It's been it's been a pleasure. Okay, Mr. Bear, I appreciate right. you, bro. Nice All to right. meet you. All right, you too.